Andre is a developer which turned into a product manager so he has this perspective and he made a quite interesting presentation with the title Using Common Sense to Manage Software Startups. So enjoy the podcast. Hi, here's Florian from 99 Startups and today I'm here with Andre. Hi. So how are you doing? Good, good, doing good. It's a chilly morning in Berlin and uh, there is no sun, but I'm pretty happy. Yeah, let's not talk about the weather. Um, <laughs> so tell us something about yourself. Introduce yourself. So my name is Andrei Salamatin and um, I am a product manager at a company called Productive Mobile. And But I have background in engineering, so I've, I have been a software developer for about seven years. And at some point I transitioned into a product role because, um, I mean, to be honest, because I was uh, from time to time complaining to our senior management about the tasks that we were doing in engineering. I thought that uh, oftentimes we were wasting time or we were not doing something that was really helpful. And senior management solved the problem by, you know, giving me a, a product role, which helped, at least in the way that I stopped complaining. But uh, that's how I got there. And then I have already the first question. Um, so did you did you find out that you have been right? Or did you figure also out that like you have been wrong on some a few points you saw? I have been, uh, yeah, I, I think... Um... Hmm. What what's what was important for me is communication and maybe commu some some communication I just wasn't getting as an engineer, and some engineers were absolutely happy with the level of information they got, but I think it's just personally for me I was missing some insights from sales from our customers, and that's why I maybe was feeling a little bit um, I was feeling that my work is wasted. But once I transitioned into a product, let's just say I have found uh, several issues that we uh, fixed and that I think helped our team be, uh, let's just say, move uh, more directly towards towards the purpose of the company. And at the same time, I found that certain things that we did were maybe uh, useful and I just didn't know that um, because I didn't have the information at the time as an engineer. Yeah, interesting. So it's uh, it's like the typical communication, making sure that uh, you are understood in what you say. And, exactly. Uh, yeah, but I think it's also really important to point what you said that some some people are um, are wanting that, and some people are completely fine with just getting the task and just doing the task, and then they don't want to have anything more. They just want to be alone and then working on that. Yeah. Cool, really cool. So, um, yeah, so you you sent me some articles, which I will um, link in our blog article. So tell us um, a summary about what are the articles about and what are your key points? Yeah, so um, let's just say during that year as a product owner and product manager in a software startup, um, in the beginning, it was really hard, but then eventually I think I found a set of techniques that kind of allowed me to 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 keep sanity and also to, uh, let's just say, keep being at least 
to some extent on top of things. And I'm not claiming that I've figured it all out, but I think I've uh, I had some learnings that that are really helpful for me personally, and that's what I want to let's just say write about at the moment. And also, I'm I'm looking forward to giving uh, maybe talks at several conferences. And uh, the key, let's just say, the key takeaways is how do you apply this engineering mindset that is very you know logical, very methodical to something like a product role that is um, oftentimes viewed as, you know, it's mostly uh, communication. I mean, and that's true, but it's also creativity and uh, just say it's very loose or slightly loose. So, um, and this is, this is what I, what I'm talking about uh, in the articles and in the talks. Yeah, pretty, pretty cool. So, um, one of your key points in the articles was that the idea that like your your company or your team or your project doesn't matter it's always a system yeah and the system has internally a number of parts and how it works because there are like several people which work together and so on but at the end the only thing which is important is that you give input and you expect the output exactly and then the only question is how much time it needs or how effective the system is to get the input to output. Yeah, exactly. And to just give um, some examples to that, um, a company or an organization, let's just say, um, uh, let's just say Productive Mobile, uh, we do, uh, let's just say, B2B software. So we have created a platform um, that we sell to, to enterprises. And in our case, the system is the company itself, us, Productive Mobile. Our inputs are basically customers or customer requests. And our outputs are hopefully happy customers. And uh, this process of conversion, um, let's just say all the details of it, uh, they are important, but they are not defining what, what we are in a way. Uh, what is our goal is to make sure that... Um, Customers that use our platform actually achieve results. They they are turning into into happy customers, so they can uh, recommend us to someone uh, to someone. But also that they're because we're in enterprise software, that we satisfy requirements that they have internally for themselves. So let me give you um, a simple example that I actually took from from a friend of mine that is doing uh, consultancy. So as a consultant. Once they come with the project into a company, they ask the company what kind of uh, metrics, what kind of measurements do they want to improve. And so they measure the success of the project and they measure the success of themselves using uh, metrics set by their customers. So, And I think this is a very good example of a very well set goal. So their system is the consultancy agency, but their inputs are you know, customer requests and their outputs are um, customer requests that are satisfied or customer metrics that are reached. And so the purpose, the purpose of the system is not defined by who they are, a consultancy agency, but it is defined by the interaction with the world around them. It is defined by their inputs and outputs. So the purpose of this consultancy agency, the goal of this agency is to make sure that customers improve their internal metrics, improve their bottom line often, or 
Another example could be just the level of chaos in the company or maybe the responsiveness of a certain department. Yeah. So the goal setting on itself is like 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 similar as important than like the system itself. So yeah. to define and bestly only one goal because I think several goals are would could be too complicated. Exactly. And yeah. Yeah, I have a story about several goals. Um and the thing is that when I just transitioned into a product role at Productive Mobile we kind of implicitly, we had uh, two goals. And it was also in our uh, OKRs and it was there on paper, but we never actually understood that we have two conflicting um, targets. One of them was to make sure that customers use our product themselves. And the second one was um, the reality of the day where customers were not using our product, but customer success team, our internal team, was mostly using the product to make sure that customers are successful. And even though on paper we were kind of we were targeting customers using our product, in reality, our internal team was using the product to serve customers. And as a product, it kind of clashed on me because I had to figure out requests and priorities from both uh, from the top, from senior management, that was uh, basically asking why aren't customers themselves using our product. And at the same time, I had uh, requests coming from our customer success team that were just struggling to serve the volume that they had at the time. And uh, I kind of, for a very long time, I thought that this is my job as a, as a product manager to reconcile those two priorities and to, to make sure that we find a way that serves uh, both goals at the same time. But if you think about it, as a product person, let's just say you want customers to be successful with with our, with our platform and then you implement something like an on, an onboarding flow or like a chat system that allows your customers to write uh, directly to you and you can answer their questions and so on and so forth so if you do those features customer success team doesn't benefit from it at all and let's just say in a month or in in several weeks once you have those features you kind of haven't moved in it in the direction of you know making sure customer success is not in pain at all and once i once i had this realization it became clear that we have two goals and by moving towards one of them we are kind of moving away from another one because whatever we do uh, some uh, whatever we do towards one goal is a waste in relationship to this to this other goal and uh, yeah, once I had this realization, it kind of became much simpler and much less stressful for me. So starting from then, I, I just um, convinced all the stakeholders, the senior management and our customer success team to come together to see all the facts on the table and make a decision. Let's just say, choose one goal. And at the same time, it was not obvious which one should we prefer. So it was just a matter of, you know, deciding and we did that and the results are i think pretty remarkable because in i think in three or four months we have turned around the product to an extent that the new release that we have just released uh, several weeks ago 
customer success team, uh, I mean, we, were, we decided to focus on the customer success goal in the end. Customer success team was not even waiting until it gets to production. They started using it, I think, weeks before it got to production. And they were super happy with the buggy version that that was, you know, crashing from time to time just because it it made them so much more productive in in what they did. And right now, once the release is done, and like we are, we are just doing polishing and we are doing tiny features, first customer success is very happy, and they like the time to serve uh, one customer uh, shrinked from several several weeks to several days or even hours. So this is one uh, achievement. And the second thing is that because we, we we focused on one team and we focused on serving one customer, which is our internal customer, we now have a much clearer vision how can we bring it to our customers directly without our customer success team. So, I mean, long story short, by focusing on just one goal and making it explicit and making sure that all the stakeholders in the company are aware of that and are let's just say accepting that um, it made uh, things so much simpler yeah, and that's a pretty good point and how you said like because stuff gets simpler if you know what to focus on decisions are easier to make because you see you want to go there from a to b and you need to do that and that to, to get, get there yeah. and um, i think it's always also important to define the core the core value of what you're doing there and then if you have that you can just follow it because it doesn't make sense if you like build something which can two or three things, but nothing really good. Like I don't know, um, you you have a phone, and then like this phone has a kind of okay camera and a kind of okay display and a kind of okay um, um, button working. It would be better if you have just one phone with a really really good camera, the best camera out there, and then you know, okay, this is the purpose for that, and that's like the main the main strength. Yeah. Absolutely right. And the funny thing is that when I talk to people at conferences or at meetups and oftentimes when I ask about the goal of the department or of the company, people are struggling to answer. Like, And we, we've all read the software startup literature and we all know that it's very important to have a goal and so on and so forth. But still, it's very hard to, to do that. And it's very hard to, you know, follow up on yourself and making sure making sure that you have this this goal this target yeah and what i also found really interesting like you had a part in your article where you said like like it can also happen internally in a company that like just because the sales department has a different goal setting than like the developer department you get like a difference in the comp in um, internally in the company yeah yeah, that's a that's a very common thing as well. So the the example that you are talking about is basically uh, internally in the company we have sales department and uh, developers department. It's not in uh, it's not my example, but it's an example from from a friend of mine. And the 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 trick is that sales department kept uh, putting in features into developers backlog that were ultimately wasteful in a way that. Um, customers didn't use them, customers actually didn't want them. Some customers actively resented them and uh, asked to roll them back. But then why did it happen? What was the problem? The problem was that 
sales department, the goal of the sales department was quota. So salespeople were uh, incentivized by just selling more contracts. Doesn't matter what they promise, doesn't matter what is in the contract. What matters for them is their quota. Whereas developers were not incentivized by, by quotas in any way, and they were just a fixed resource. They had a fixed capacity. And because of this misalignment, uh, there was this backlog of wasteful work that engineering had to do instead of doing something something useful uh, that was generated by sales. And uh, the, the thing is that it's not the, the salespeople that are the problem in this case. It's just the management of the company didn't see this misalignment of incentives. What they what they did, and it's a common, it's a very common theme, is that you know it's very convenient to measure a department locally. It's very com- convenient to put metrics on a department without any relationship to other departments in the company, because I mean that's that's how we we used to do, it. and that's how we also kind of um, as a as a human, it makes us, uh, you know, feel safe and secure because we know that our work depends only, or let's just say, we know that our reward depends only on how we do as an individual or as a small group, rather than, you know, thinking about the company as a global thing all the time. So this problem of local optimizations and local metrics is is a problem. So imagine if sales works um, for commission, if developers work uh, based on, let's just say, we measure developers based on the number of tickets they finish, or even worse, uh, those horrible stories where developers are measured by the number of lines of code they write. And then, I don't know, product people are measured and paid according to how much specifications they produce, how much uh, just Confluence pages they generate a month you can see that it will at some point blow up because those departments they're not working towards the same purpose they're not they're not an organization they're just a bunch of entities working independently and this is what happened uh, at the company of uh, of my friends and this is what happening with a lot of companies is just we accept things the, the way they are what we should do instead for instance, uh, in case of the sales and uh, development departments, we need to make sure that the their metrics, however we measure them, is aligned with the goal of the system rather than with the local uh, controlled goal. And what I mean by that is, for instance, for the sales department, we could say, all right, uh, you are measured by the amount of sales generated for projects that customers are happy with. I mean, and this is an ex- uh, just an example, right? So uh, sales are measured not just by how much contracts they, they signed, but how much contracts they signed that when delivered made customers happy. And then kind of you force sales to go out of the, of the zone and make sure that, you know, that they're working with developers, that they're working with product, that they're more tightly... Uh, coupled with the customer in talking about requirements and how how would customer feel like what does it take to to make the customer happy and when you do that you incentivize them in kind of correct uh, behavior yeah and it's also interesting like to even if you work close with the customer to make them happy to still find out what's the core value you 
your product generates and what are just features. Exactly, yes. Um, and for this, again, maybe it's, it's not it's not salesperson's job. I mean, a lot of people would argue that um, it's not it's not job of a salesperson. But then, if it is not, if I mean, obviously, a salesperson cannot know how much development capacity you have. I mean, that's not their job to know. Or salesperson cannot really understand all the uh, like the value proposition that um, uh, people get from from the contract. Although, I mean. Arguably, salespeople need to understand that. But if there is a gap, you can always, as a salesperson, go to other departments and figure that out. Let's just say, uh, if you know that there is additional work required by the contract for the customer, you can go to developers and say, hey, how much would it uh, take you approximately? Would it be, um, would it fit your plans? And how does it fit? Uh, how does it w walk along your capacity? And if there is a problem, then maybe you can together sit down and figure out which contracts maybe can you postpone or which customers can you reshuffle in priorities in order to get the most useful and the most um, profitable work done first. But you need to collaborate for that and you need to work towards the single goal of the whole system. Um, so yeah. how, how do you motivate um, people to work like to communicate outside their department with each other. Yeah, so uh, mostly it's just, uh, I mean, one way is to set up metrics in a way that is just impossible to do otherwise. The other way is, I mean, obviously culture uh, comes in, into play and uh, just as a, as a manager of the company, making sure that all the leaders of the departments meet from time to time and making sure that they meet not only in formal environments, but also in one-on-one -on -one environments is very cr critical. And also making sure that you communicate this single goal and purpose of the company. Because what I find is that once as a manager, you have set up a very clear expectation of where are we going? How do we know that we got there? And you just let people figure out the details. Oftentimes it works. Oftentimes, then all you need to do as a manager is to just make yourself available for consultation or for uh, making sure that you are there for them. And that's that's what worked for me. And that's that's a really interesting point. So uh, optimal alignment means you set a clear goal and then you let people figure it out on their own. And yeah. then yeah. what you also said, like with the with the non-formal environment. That's also a really interesting point because like uh, in the podcast with Alan Durek, he was also a big fan of like doing meetings in coffee places and like in non-formal non places. Yes. So this also um, reinforcing this point that like it seems like that if you getting out of the formal um, surroundings, like people can better more easier communicate with each other yeah i cannot i cannot really overstate this enough um, something that worked for me personally and i've actually picked it up from our ceo anthony um, is doing walks with people doing meetings walking in the park this just works wonders especially if you know there is a tough situation um, or there is something that you really genuinely don't know how to solve yet 
just going on a meeting uh, um, to a park, walking, is incredibly useful. First, you kind of you're in an environment when where you are not confronting each other across the table. You are walking in parallel. Second, just the whole process of walking and you know making some parts of your body busy, I guess, makes your mind work in a different way. And yeah, just uh, try it out. I, I genuinely cannot stress this enough. Yeah, it's a really cool tip. I can remember that like Steve Jobs was also really big into uh, walking around. Um, yeah, that's that's a really really good tip. Um, so, what do you think? Like, how? What's the the most effective way to define the most important core of what you're doing to define a good goal? Yeah. So as we as we talked before, I think the most importantly, we need to understand what is our system. And usually, you want to make system um, of a bigger scale, right? So if you are um, a team lead in a developer's department or in a sales department, look at the bigger picture. Uh, look at what the company is doing, and the company is usually a good, uh, you know, a good block that you can reason through. Of course, you can. We can also go down or go low level, but uh, it's better to think. I think of a company as a system of itself in itself, and then in order to understand the goal or the purpose of the system, again, we need to look outside of it. We need to look outside of the company to see what is this company generating. What what does it take as an input, and what the, what does it produce as an output? Um, Right. So one one example, one good example that I also give of a company that has has it figured out and that looked outside of themselves is um, a company called Lambda School. It's a startup in Silicon Valley. And what they do is they teach people um, to become developers, software developers. And many companies do that. But what Lambda School does differently is they... Um, they only they only get paid getting paid if their customers get jobs as developers that means that let's just say a client comes to them uh, they take them as a student and then after some time once the course is finished if that person gets a job then they get paid a certain percentage of their salary on a monthly basis but if this person doesn't get a job they don't get paid at all so I think this is a good example because those guys, instead of uh, charging, for instance, for for hours or for lectures, uh, this is how many uh, training companies do, right? We come to your company, we provide you, I don't know, uh, three workshops, and each workshop maybe costs, um, I don't know, a thousand euros, whatever. And we get paid based on how, how much time we have spent with you rather than we get paid for results that you actually get. And uh, whereas Lambda School, they said, okay, we do training, but it's not our goal. This is not our purpose. Um, let's look outside of who we are to find, uh, you know, what is our purpose. Let's look outside of us and uh, ask with customers, check with customers what is their purpose. Why are they actually learning to program? And they learn to program to get a job as an engineer. So they made it their goal. And I think this is a very good example of 
something that is well well aligned and also sustainable because a company that just does trainings and workshops their revenue is not tied to the quality of those workshops so yes you still could have a second second metric which is maybe uh, uh, if people liked the workshop or didn't like the workshop but at some point uh, you are you are at risk to finding yourself in a situation maybe when in, a, in an organization everyone liked the workshop uh, people enjoyed it but then they went to their workplaces and they didn't change anything they didn't apply whatever knowledge they they got and the company just didn't get the results they wanted and if you if you do that um, um, enough times you would notice that customers are less and less satisfied because you are hired by companies to you know to make them more successful not just to spend time with them and i think it's it's the only way to actually make a sustainable uh goal is to look outside of the of the organization yeah it's a really good really good example so um what what do you say what what's the best tip you can give to to be uh, a better communicator mm. because you sit it between the chairs between like management and like the teams so what did you figure out what helped you the most to to make your message clear yes uh, so um hmm. very good question One thing I also kind of learned from, from our CEO is that oftentimes when you disagree with someone or when you cannot get your point across, it's uh, because of the lack of, uh, or let's just say different levels or different information that you have. Oftentimes um, it's not the matter of opinion. And as he says, like the People that are smart people, oftentimes, given the same facts, will come to the same conclusions. And if it's not if it's not the case, if you disagree, then oftentimes you have just different facts. And instead of becoming uh, upset about it or uh, just reiterating uh, your points, it's important to make sure that everyone gets on the same level of facts before. And you can do that using several ways. First, make sure that you put things uh, in writing in front of them or you draw something in front of them and make sure that you agree on a definition of a problem or of whatever question you are discussing uh, before. So I think drawing helps. I think writing down stuff on a whiteboard helps tremendously, like just putting bullet points of what you are discussing. And then second thing that is super useful is to make sure that they uh, or for, 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 for both parties, it's very important to articulate whatever the other uh, party's argument is. So, for instance, if we are arguing about uh, anything and I have a bunch of uh, facts that I present, it's important to ask then the other party, hey, could you just tell me back whatever I told you? And it's not, uh, let's just say... Um, Oftentimes people see it as a, as a negative technique or as an oppressive technique, but it's actually just there to make sure that you understand each other and that you are talking about the same thing. Because oftentimes you, um, for instance, I, as a person with a Russian cultural background, would use the same words to express a different thing than um, 
you know a person from a different cultural background uh, would use so that's very important to make sure that uh, other party reflects back at you whatever whatever you were saying yeah and, and uh, in product work in general i think um, visuals and simple uh, simple mockups or gifs for for specifications also was kind of a very surprising thing for me to discover that it works much better than uh, oftentimes than specs uh, written in pure text. So that's, I guess, a small tip for, for product managers. What I do often is I uh, create very simple mockups somewhere in, in Sketch or in, in some other program. And then um, I connect them in Envision and I click through my prototype and record a short video or like a GIF of how it would work in the future. So like, that's a very technical tip, but uh, I guess that's, that was um, an important learning for me in product is that uh, visuals are so much more expressive than words. Cool. Yeah. That's a really good point. So at the end, so what, what's, what's, what's your favorite book, which book helped you the most? So, in the recent uh, year, in that year, I guess um, the goal by uh, Ellie Goldratt kind okay. of transformed uh, my understanding of uh, of how do we, how we do work uh, the most. And uh, so we've talked about one part of this, which is goal definition and goal setting. And another big part of this is once you have set the goal, how do you make sure that the system improves? Uh, how do you how do you make sure that the system throughput improves? Which means that the system can do more and more work over the same period of time. And um, this whole idea of theory of constraints, it's um, let's just say a parallel track to uh, to lean. Uh, so it started um, like in the in the fifties. Uh, Taichi Ono and Toyota they started with all the lean manufacturing ideas, and they've evolved it at, uh, to a level of Toyota production system in the eighties. And around the same time, around the eighties, Eli Goldratt wrote uh, his book The Goal, where he described his theory, which is called theory of constraints, which is kind of building uh, upon this those lean ideas and applying them to manufacturing. But since then, those ideas went outside of manufacturing. People are now applying it in IT, in startups, and so on and so forth. So um, another book that I, I didn't really like the way it's written, but it's kind of on the same topic, and it's about IT, is uh, called The Phoenix Project. Uh, and it's basically about applying theory of constraints in IT. Okay. Um, but in general, I, I find this topic fascinating and it helped me reason through a lot of things uh, at work. Another, um, a couple of books. So we talked about communication. Yeah. Uh, I think there is a very uh, kind of also very basic, very fundamental book um, that's called Nonviolent Communication. Uh, okay. The author's name escapes me, unfortunately. I will, I will put it in the description. <laughs> right. Uh, but it's uh, it's exactly that. It's how do you communicate your point across efficiently? How do you make sure that uh, meetings and talking with people personally doesn't become emotional? And, and when it does become emotional, how do you make sure that you 
um, let's just say you keep the dialogue constructive and even if things get emotional, you get to the bottom of what makes people emotional rather than, you know, reacting to it and being, I don't know, aggressive or confused or frustrated. It's, it's basically learning to express yourself uh, and learning to, to ask the right questions in order to get, um, to get the, the needed inputs from other parties. Yeah, cool. Very cool. And for product people specifically, I would recommend, um, I mean, Design Sprint, uh, obviously, by uh, Google Venture folks. Um, and uh, the, the mom test, this, this book about how do you interview people to get to, to make sure that the ideas and the hypothesis that you have uh, are actually valid or false without actually naming your hypothesis, which is um, a very important point. So without putting your ego at stake, which is painful for both you and the party that you are asking, how do you ask the right questions and still get get uh, results? So those are uh, those are the two on product design sprint and uh, uh, the mom test. Yeah, right. The mom test was the idea that like you you don't say that's your product. You say just a friend of mine wants to do that and that. Kind of yes, and then then you saw if they come to the same value conclusions, you think your product will do or you think you will create. Yeah, yeah, I, re I remember that. I forgot that. That's that was a really cool book. <laughs> cool. So, do you want to have some? Do you want to say something? Something else? Do you miss something? Um, I think um, I think that's uh, that's kind of it. Um, I guess an an important takeaway for me is that. Oftentimes, we kind of, in management, we act the way everyone acts, or we, we just accept industry standards. So, for instance, uh, example of, of a sales department that we talked about, it's just common the sales people live on commission. Or an example of um, uh, training companies or uh, agile consultants that work based on uh, per hour pay instead of working based on results that they bring for the customers. And I guess uh, one, of, one of the points that I'm trying to make is that oftentimes those, um, those things need, need to be challenged. And if you feel that something is wrong or something is not exactly right, but you're not put it into words, it's very important to keep thinking about it and try, try to just say, um, try to make the source of your confusion and most likely um, find the source of this confusion, there is a real problem. Or at least that's, that's, that was my learning over that year in pro. So you mean learning girls that like, if, if there is, is there, if there is starting to be trouble, there's normally some reason behind it and then you should challenge your status quo. Exactly. Yes. Cool. Andre, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time.